1: We're all professional naturalists who together have scoured the world for weird and wonderful wonders just to please your mammalian brain's desire for novelty.
0: Isn't that nice? Let's do this.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back. How we doing?
0: Hi. Good to see you. Doing pretty good. Good to
1: be seen. Awesome. Well, I was thinking about, was thinking about last week, right? And I was talking about species that have evolved... Due to selection pressures from humans, right? Uh huh. Mm-hmm. That was a like a fun topic to read up on and think more about. And if you search up that topic on the interwebs, uh, there is a specific example that comes up that I did not use last week, but I want to talk about it this week. Okay. And it's the samurai crab, also known samurai as the crab. Uh, haikagani. Crab, I think, and it will become I think clear this on my list Well, it's going to become clear why I didn't talk about it. Uh, okay, in just I haven't heard of this crab
2: before. By the way, awesome. it Sounds well, vaguely familiar.
1: I heard about this and so, I, and, I, and I was like, oh, th- okay. And I started reading up on this, um, and I, as I was reading up, I was kind of going, boy, this sounds so familiar. Like I swear I've learned all this before. Right. And that's Uh not an unusual feeling. Like I read a lot. I have a pretty extensive library of natural history books. I also watch documentaries and read research papers and go to educational seminars. Like I'm a pretty voracious, lifelong learner and Victoria Mm -hmm. and Rachel, you know, you're the same way and likely to our dear listeners uh, have a lifelong love of learning, which is why I assume you're here today. So at first like as I'm reading this document, I'm like, I I can't really place where I've heard about these crabs before. And so I ended up uh, skimming the Wikipedia page. Mm -hmm. Um, And for reasons I'll explain in a little bit, it has a long section. This is going to be out of left field here. It has a long section all about the history of a 12th century battle, uh, the Dan no Ura, uh, the battle of Dan no Ura in Japan. Uh, where the, uh, let's see if I can get this right, I think it's the Taira clan, uh, which is also known as the Heika, uh, fought the Minamoto clan, a.k.a. the the Genji. And as I'm reading this passage all about this war, I'm going, okay, hold on a minute. This all sounds like crazy familiar too. Like I absolutely know all about this. And I will say, I'm well-read but I'm not like a really big student of like Japanese history in the 12th century, right? <laughs> like, I, like <laughs> why have I heard about this one specific battle in a 12th century civil war in Japan? Like, what is going? It's like a weird yeah. déjà vu kind of experience uh, okay. for me. And the answer, of course, is a cartoon rabbit.
0: A cartoon rabbit. Didn't
1: see, didn't see that coming, did you?
0: No. You Did see, back bunny? in the
1: wild time that would no, it's not back in the wild time. That was the 1980s. Comic books were quite popular and a number of artists were experimenting with these anthropomorphic characters that were like animals that would like run around and talk and, and do stuff. Um, there was a number of comics like right. critters and anthropomorphics were too like big of these that uh, would oh, feature like yeah. new artists to do little stories. Okay. Some of these went on to become household names with comics of their own. The most popular was, of course, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I assume yes. you've right. heard of them. Yes. So uh, I yes. happen to personally be a fan of a different series that also became kind of popular, but definitely not as popular as TMNT. Uh, this was the comic book Yusaji Yojimbo, and this is the story of a this rabbit samurai named Miyamoto Yusaji. Who was master was killed and he thus became a Ronin or Yojimbo. Thus, Yusaji Yojimbo, people assume that's his name. No, it's not. It means like rabbit yojimbo or like rabbit samurai, or rabbit ronin samurai, basically. Okay. Um now, if this sounds at all familiar, mm-hmm. the authors, the the artist for teenage mutant ninja turtles and the author for Yusaji Yojimbo were friends with each other and knew each other from being in some of these similar magazines. And so there were crossovers where both Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles appeared in the Rabbits comic and the rabbit Usagi appeared in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So they okay. uh, he, he even appeared in like the cartoon. If you ever saw the cartoon, they'd be like, Usagi, our like Japanese friend showed up <laughs> through some weird time <laughs> portal. Cause in his <laughs> world, all the animals like it's all. There are no humans, whereas Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are uh, like right, right, right. animals in a human world. So there's there's some kind of time space portal cross dimensional thing going on there. Anyways, it's really cool because he was in the cartoon. I've got like action figures from one of my favorite comic book characters because they they would never been, have happened on their own, but because he was in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I got the action figures. Anyways, yeah. you don't care about that. Um I do happen to own the entire anthology collection of Usagi Ojimbo comics that were reprinted in graphic novel form. Uh, they are amazing and they are full of the history of feudal Japan. So it's uh, there they're actually a lot ah. of historical stuff okay. in there. Uh, Stan, this is a guy who um, who does them is a big fan of history. It's a lot of history in there. And one of the most famous stories in the collection is this story of the grass cutter, a powerful lost sword, uh, which is an actual sword uh, that's in Japan that uh, supposedly still exists, but like only certain people are ever able to view it. Cause it's like a, a sacred object oh, okay. a religious huh. object. Um, but the story of the grass cutter in the comic book retells the story of the battle of Dan no Ura and the Samurai Crabs feature heavily in the retelling of the story. That's And I was like, oh, of course. That's why this is all so familiar. Uh, so it was really funny to come across this week's topic and realize, that, yes, uh, I'm a giant nerd. And it is a story that is detailed in my in a book in my extensive library. But it's from a comic book, not from a natural history book, which really took me a minute to figure out. So Samurai Crabs. Let's talk about samurai crabs. Yes, Uh, I want to know. One of my all-time favorite communicators, Carl Sagan, used samurai crabs to teach about evolution. And the story he told, and the same story that has been repeated many times, uh, is kind of cool. The basic idea is that there were once crabs living in Japan, and fishermen would catch and eat them. But once in a while, the fishermen would pull a crab out of the water, and they kind of thought like the pattern of bumps on their back or what we call their carapace Mm -hmm. somewhat resembled like the face of a samurai and fearing the crab was somehow like maybe the spirit of a fallen warrior or something like that. These crabs were always thrown back into the water. So generation after generation, fishermen ate the normal looking crabs and threw back the ones that looked like a samurai. (laughs) So over time, the crabs evolved to look more and more like they had faces on their carapace. Um, As it decreased the chance of them being eaten, yeah. Um, So I want to share with you a photo of a samurai crab, and let me know what you think. What do you think?
0: Well, there are also some drawings of samurai crabs that sort of there are right. They Um, do, but yeah, I mean, there's kind of so that looks like a face. We're looking at the crab that looks like a face. It does look like Uh a face. There are sort of eyes that are kind of slanted toward the middle and bulgy out. out (laughs) Outie.
2: It looks like a, like any, of okay, so it looks very similar to any like samurai-esque mask. Like I think of like samurai Jack Jack, or whatever, like any like, like traditional Japanese type mask that you would see in like an art museum. If you picture like an
1: angry faced samurai mask. Yeah. Bingo. That's it, right? That's
0: it. Yeah, totally.
1: It's so cool. Um if you want to check this out, you know, look on our Instagram. definitely put like it up on a, Facebook too. Oh
2: my god. Yeah, it'll be on both. Yeah, but it looks like it looks
0: like it has like a it big has nose. eyes and a nose and an angry mouth. Yeah. It's like all there. Big, I mean like, it's amazing. Yeah. Some
1: of the some of the like the cartoons and artwork out there exaggerate it even more, but you don't need to exaggerate much. I mean, this no. is you look yeah. at it and you'd be like Oh, oh my God! There's a face on here. Not only is there just a face, it's an is angry a face. samurai face. Yeah, yeah. Super, super cool. Um, if you're not driving, you can go ahead and look this up now on our Instagram. <laughs> if you're driving, just wait till wait wait till later. Yeah, we 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 appreciate you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here's the issue though, and why I didn't include it in last week's show. Uh, these are very real, very amazing animals uh, whose carapace looks exactly like a samurai mask. At least some of them do. There there is some variation. Uh, the problem is i'm i'm not convinced this is due to natural selection okay uh, it's a good story but from what i can gather and this isn't just me actual researchers have looked into this much more closely and it's not that like people were eating some and throwing them back this particular type of crab just isn't eaten in oh. japan it okay. looks pretty um, small it, they're not huge um and it's sort of like I guess you could eat them, but traditional, but even like traditionally from what, I, from what I could gather from some of the sources, like it just wasn't really something people ate. And maybe the fact that they also looked like samurai was like, yeah, we just won't. I mean, maybe we're not going to eat them, but like it wasn't like this used to be a major food staple. Uh-huh. And then over time, mm-hmm. well, no, they all look like samurai now. We can't eat them. Like it sounds like it makes a really good story, but it's it. there's not a whole lot to actually support that that's actually what happened, right? Hmm. So we got to be a little careful to make sure we have, you know, there are really cool examples like we talked about last week of this happening. I it's such a fun story, and uh, you know, my my best bud Carl uh, used it, but uh, I I think it probably is maybe an example we shouldn't be using because it sounds like a lot of their their you know has looked into it is kind of gone. Yeah, no, that's probably not what happened. They just kind of happened to look like that in our paradelia or ability to recognize patterns in nature is like, well, look, a face, which humans are really great at. So, we love patterns. Jesus and, uh, a piece of,
0: Jesus and a piece of toast, samurai and a crab. There you go. Or mm-hmm.
1: when I was uh, in Texas, I was at the Laredo uh, uh, Taco Company, get my tacos, and the woman running the, the, the press for the tortillas uh, took a treat, tortilla out, and she was like, oh, oh, and got all that, and we're like, what, what? And she holds it up, and there was a flaming skull emblazoned onto the tortilla i love it was the most amazing (laughs) it was a skull kind of like a three quarters view with flames licking off the back of it it was the most badass tortilla but you know what it was it was just a tortilla Mm -hmm. and it's just our ability to recognize patterns so um everything tortillas are not my topic it was a samurai crab yeah i just I, i just wanted to introduce the world to samurai crabs if you haven't heard of them look them up They're super cool. There's not like a whole other story with them. Uh, It's just they're really cool. And I Mm -hmm. wanted to share them.
0: Well, thanks. I had not heard of them. And I I feel richer for the knowledge.
1: You are. Great. Not the kind of richness you can make cash on, but you're richer. Uh, We're going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, Rachel, Mm -hmm. your turn. Tag, you're it. All right. Woo.
2: Welcome back, everyone. Let's talk wasting disease.
0: Oh, Must
1: oh, <sighs> yeah. I mean, you didn't save this one for the Valentine's episode about last
0: the week. The deer, no, chronic wasting disease. Yes, we are what we're talking about. Okay, yeah, Yay. Yeah. yay. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
2: right. So, as naturalists, we educate folks on quite a, f- a variety of topics, but one that tends I've found right. more recently to come more into the news and we get questions about uh especially with like you said victoria concerning white-tailed deer is chronic wasting disease so i wanted to talk a little bit about that and then share some news that might be helpful hopeful
1: how very strange of you
2: (laughs) So chronic wasting disease or CWD is a prion disease, which is spread through the environment or from animal to animal. It can remain. Inf- it's absolutely horrifying. Uh, it can remain infectious in dead carcasses. It's infectious in urine of contaminated animals and feces. Oh, it seeps into the soil or the water. There's even evidence actually that some plants can take up those prions into their stem what? or their leaves.
1: No. Yeah. Oh
2: my goodness. And can stay in, like, the <sighs> prions will stay in the plants.
1: That yeah. Why prion, so prions? so uncomfortable. If you don't Why? know, oh, I going to talk, to talk about what prions yes, are. Yes, I am. Yes. Because oh, if you're so, not familiar with this nightmare fuel.
2: Oh, it, it, sorry. <laughs> I thought about saving this for Halloween, actually, but I am not. So, currently, yeah. CWD affects just the deer family. So, this is the elk, the mule deer, the white-tailed deer, moose, reindeer, which are also elk, caribou, those mm-hmm. ki- kinds of critters. Uh, there hasn't been any, like, cross-contamination between from family uh, to family. Let's to keep family. it that
1: way. We're yeah, going yeah, to hope Let's keep it that, keep that way. That way. Uh, Make COVID look like a walk in the park.
2: Oh my God, yeah. Uh, so, which is good because oftentimes predators of deer will go for the sick or dying or injured animals. uh Absolutely. For like an easy animal or for an easy meal, I should say. Uh, so like coyotes, crows will eat the dead carcasses, uh, bobcats, and mountain lions. Right. So CWD or... Chronic wasting disease. It is a neurological illness. Um, a prion. And it consists of uh prions. So prions are we all make them and all all mammals make them. They are a type of folded protein. That's all they do. This the idea that a
1: protein can cause a disease is terrifying.
2: Yeah. So what happens in this particular case in CWD is uh, the protein in as it's being folded gets misfolded and becomes
0: an abnormal fold. And yeah, to it be just to be clear, just protein yeah. 101, all proteins are folded. Right. Uh, in, in a particular way. Right. And it, it that affects how they work in the body. Um, Prion mm-hmm. is a particular protein and it sometimes gets misfolded.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And because of that misfold, it's Seems so not innocent. easily disposed or broken down by enzymes in the body. What makes it worse is the misfolded prion, if it gets near other prions that are folded correctly, can actually cause them to, Unfold and refold in the misaligned, uh, misfolded prion formation, which is bad. <laughs> uh, it can cause yeah. damage. CWD causes damage to the lymphatic symptoms, so your lymph nodes, your like thyroid and all of that. And it also causes issues in the neurologic tissues because remember, prions are proteins And a lot of proteins are in things like your brain and your nervous system, which
0: is bad.
2: (laughs) So uh,
0: when I was taking microbiology, uh, one of the, one of the sources that the professor gave us, I think it was an online thing um, Mm -hmm. compared misfolded proteins to like evangelists that convert other proteins to uh-huh. their, yeah. Oh. To their way of doing <laughs> Yo, things.
2: A, like, hey, this is more fun. You should come over to this side.
1: Come to the dark side.
2: <sighs> yeah. So in CWD, over the course of a year, a deer, uh, they might not show symptoms at first, but they're still gonna be exuding and like excreting proteins through their saliva, through urine, through feces. Um but over the course of the year, when they start showing symptoms, it comes into losing a ton of weight. They, It's called chronic wasting disease because over a period of about a year or two, the deer is losing significant amounts of weight. It is wasting away. They will start to stumble wow. and they start losing their fear of things like humans. They'll actually come closer to people, which I don't like. That kind of reminds me of rabies which I don't love (laughs) yeah
1: no I don't think anyone does no
2: yeah so what's wild too is that these prions can live in the environment without a host for years and still be infectious so if you get into a piece (laughs) bit of soil and like if you're a deer and you eat like a plant or uh snuffle around some soil that was infected Years ago, by a deer that had CWD, you can contract it from that, which is awful. <sighs> awful. And they're really, really hard to destroy. Like, if you used heat to destroy CWD pr- prions, sure, sure, it you have to at least hit 1800 degrees Fahrenheit to destroy Whoa. the protein like they That's are
1: gonna have to a bit of an impact on basically. the flavor of the meat
2: yeah it has to be like completely destroyed because even like 1100 degrees just degrades their infectivity it doesn't actually like destroy them or impact them all that much so it takes a wow. lot up, and so with all of this, there's not any vaccines, there's not any treatments. It's fatal to any of the deer family who contract it. If you get if they get it, they're done. There's nothing we can do.
1: Ugh.
2: However, uh, I did mention something. Did either of you catch it?
0: Said there was hope.
2: I did say there was yeah. hope. But I also said that it wasn't uh it it was only present in the deer family, but there are other animals that eat deer. Yeah. So coyotes,
0: okay.
2: prions Sorry. will go through their guts, same with crows, and it will the prions will still remain infectious in the feces of the coyotes. Mm-hmm. However, recent studies that have, were shared at the International CWD Symposium uh, that happened in Denver, like, this is very recent, like uh was last June in 2023. Okay. okay. Um there's been some studies in mountain lions and in bobcats that used captive mountain lions and bobcats where they were injected oh, okay. with CWD prions. Um like in like a mule deer. Okay. So they were fed mule deer with prions like a certain amount. Okay. And they okay. were right. Uh-huh. <laughs> Seems sketchy, but fine. And they studied the feces because in coyotes and raven, or uh, coyotes and in uh, crows, they're still infectious. It, it it's the same amount that goes in one end comes out the other. Okay. But in bobcats okay. and mountain lions, ninety six percent of the prions were destroyed.
0: Oh, what's going on in their guts? Whoa. Mm -hmm. Okay.
2: Only two or three, three, four percent were found in the feces that were still there to like reinfect further deer. And this is still pretty recent. So they are actually still figuring this out. Um, the, uh, The thought right now is that They just have more enzymes within their GI tract that are able to degrade proteins. They are carnivores, Uh, mountain lions and bobcats eat a lot more. They don't like, so do coyotes, but they eat a lot more protein than coyotes. They have a much higher intake. So they have to be able to break down proteins pretty
0: much only meat. Whereas exactly mixed diet. Yeah,
2: exactly. Exactly. So because of that, the microbiome, they're able to break down those proteins better, which allows mm. them to, one, take it out of the environment more and prevent it from becoming an environmental like source.
1: That's good. That's mm. good.
2: But hopefully by being able to study the enzymes and such in cats' guts, the mountain lions and in bobcats, hopefully we'll be able to come up with something to help the deer in the future. That'd be amazing. yeah. Yeah. So like I said, this is like breaking more or less breaking news, uh, that they are trying to figure out what exactly is causing the, the ability to destroy the CWD proteins. Um, but it's, it's still really cool that we're able to have that in the first place.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So uh, my sources this week were the Deer wow. Association, which covered the International CWD Symposium. Uh, it was an article called The Guts of Predatory Cats Can D- Destroy CWD Prions. Uh, I also had the National Library of Medicine and the USGS and the CDC. So great. Oh. Also, Thanks, Rachel. Rachel. Yeah, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we return, it'll be Victoria.
0: Hey, we're back. All right, here's a little quiz for you. How many? Okay. How many continents are there? Seven. Right. So, if you ask my kids, also they say seven. Okay. Right. Yeah. Asia, Africa. Right. North? i don't trust you <laughs> i'm asia, nervous African, now north america south america europe australia and antarctica uh-huh right
1: but are you right? missing one seven are you missing one victoria
0: oh we'll get there kirk no <laughs> spoilers <laughs> oh. i feel oh, God. like i
1: feel like we read the same article okay, okay. okay. i'm
0: nervous okay. Wait, but first There's, but seven, first right <laughs> what is a continent <laughs> what is a continent right okay what if you ask we call yourself you're
1: up in asia right different continents
0: Right. Mm. So if you ask yourself this question, it's easy to pretty quickly get into trouble because yeah. it's very hard to pin down what exactly we mean when we say a continent. It is a large is area boxes, of the Earth's surface. Yeah, it's, oh, this episode is all about the boxes. Oh God. Um, it's yes. separated in some <laughs> way from other large pieces. Yeah, so Europe being a separate continent is pretty mm-hmm. much geographically nonsense. It's, it's, it's right. culture, really. It's convention and culture. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Um, yeah. So Eurasia is really a continent, but actually Eurasia and Africa are also one contiguous landmass. Afro-Eurasia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. North yeah. and South America also are contiguous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So four continents, uh, geographically. Uh, yes. I mean, Basically, what we're talking about here is a cultural construct. And uh, depending on what part of the world you're in, there's actually different teaching about how many continents there are. So here in North North America, we learn seven. In Russia, uh, not too surprisingly, they learn six because they count Eurasia as one continent because that way Russia is not divided up over two separate continents. That makes sense. And in other parts of Europe, it's also six, uh, but it's a separate Euro, Europe and Asia, but they have the, the Americas as one continent.
1: Does anyone count uh, like the India subcontinent as being its own continent? Mm, I know it's not very. That I,
0: ju- not that I read, but it's possible. I mean, you know, I know based, it's on its own on, like, little plate. Based
1: on tect- plate tectonics. Yeah, yeah, it's on its own plate. Yeah. I was wondering if that's where it's kind of getting to be like. Well, it's its own, it's doing its own thing. You know, it's a piece of land doing its own thing.
0: Well, you bring up plate tectonics. Let's talk about geology. Okay. So if you ever take an introductory geology class, one of the first things you learn is that the crust of the earth comes in two main varieties. We got Mm -hmm. the oceanic crust and we got the continental crust. Mm -hmm. Um, And Which is
2: truly revolutionary because we didn't know about this until... Like a hundred years ago, yeah, and wild. it wasn't
0: settled science until fifty years ago.
2: Oh, so That's wild. wild!
0: Yeah. Uh, anyway, oceanic crust is relatively thin and dense. It's mostly mm-hmm. made of basalt and some similar rocks. And continental crust is much thicker and is mostly—I say mostly. Mm, the a big a big chunk of it is granite and similar rocks, which are less dense. Gotcha. And so okay. continental crust sort of floats, if you will, on top of the Earth's mantle. And so due to the thickness and it's kind of floating higher because it being less dense, continental crust sticks up out of the ocean, creating the earth's land. So by this measure, you could then <laughs> geologically Figure out the number of continents by counting the number of separate parcels of continental crust.
1: Yeah, makes sense. Right.
0: Well, and as Kirk alluded to, the reason I am talking about this this week is that there was something in the news recently. Scientists have recently finished mapping a continent whose existence existence was not even conceptualized until 1995. What?
1: (laughs) Hey, I'm older than this
0: continent. (laughs) You're older than this continent. (laughs) Congratulations. This is the continent of Zealandia.
1: Yeah, Zealandia. Uh, Zealandia.
0: All right. Zealandia. Not Zoolandia. Uh, So if you haven't... That's Zoolander's continent. No. (laughs) If you haven't heard of it yet, you might be able to guess from the name that it includes New Zealand. Uh... But you say New Zealand is mostly surrounded by water. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The islands of New Zealand are only the tiny, sticky-outy part of a huge mass of continental crust that is mostly hidden under the ocean, as it turns out. So the only other populated bits of Zealandia are New Caledonia, which has about 270,000 people. And then there are the much smaller Norfolk Island and Lord Howe Island, uh, which have like maybe a few hundred people each. I forget exactly. And there are some other islands that are above sea level, but don't have anybody living on them. But 94% of the continent is underwater, which is why no one knew it was there. But if you test the the
1: rock, like on the seafloor, it's continental rock, not... Seafloor yes. And if you even map. Though, even though it's rock on the seafloor, it's not seafloor rock. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Oh, that yeah. makes perfect sense.
0: And if you map it, it's higher than uh, in elevation than. But the water the line is crest. just
2: higher, is too high to allow it to be visible. Okay.
0: Correct. Yeah. And, the, and there are other parts of continents that are underwater. Like, for example, the islands of uh, Great Britain and Ireland are part of the european continent continental Mm -hmm. crust but they're not connected english channel is yeah yeah, because it's a little uh deeper there so it's Mm -hmm. deep enough for the ocean to have flowed in
1: do you know like when ocean levels were lower like during ice ages and whatnot i assume more of this would have been yeah above water right yes okay
0: Yeah. Uh, And the existence Hmm. of Zealandia, as I mentioned, was first proposed in 1995, and it was by geologist Bruce Luyendik. And as I mentioned, it wasn't until 2023 that the mapping of the continent was completed, because it's hard to map things underwater. Yep. Yeah. It is estimated to be nearly 5 million square kilometers, which is about almost 2 million square miles in area, which is more than half as big as Australia. And wow, more than twice as big as Greenland, which is the world's largest island. Dang. Yeah. So this cool. is super cool. It's a new continent. Okay. But as we've often discussed on this show, it's all about putting trying to put nature into little boxes, and we can run into a lot of problems. I haven't yet talked about microcontinents or continental fragments. Oh. So once you start getting into these the definition of a continent,
1: Geologically, now,
0: yeah, and also the specialness of Zealandia or any other continent starts to come into question. Is Zealandia a continent? Is it a microcontinent? What is it? Uh, It starts to become more and more arbitrary. So, continental fragments or microcontinents, which are basically the same thing as far as I have been able to discover, they're essentially islands that used to be part of a continent but no longer are because of plate Mm -hmm. tectonics. Um, That's cool. Yeah. So the biggest microcontinent oh. is Madagascar.
1: <laughs> the biggest micro. Yeah, the biggest okay. microcontinent. Gotcha. The... Uh,
0: Madagascar mm. was actually formed in two steps. So it used to be part of the supercontinent Gondwana, which uh, was the mm-hmm. one where all the continents were smushed together uh, between about 600 and 100 million years ago. And Madagascar used to be attached to India. And when India broke away from Africa, Madagascar went with it. But then Madagascar huh. was pulled away from India. So now it's on its own. Um, and there are other microcontinents such as the Seychelles in the so Indian it's a, Ocean. It's,
1: it's a fragment. It's a fragment of another known piece of land. Right? Yeah, it's like a like fragment
0: it, of Gondwana. Okay. Okay. We know what it used to be attached to. It is no longer attached.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, So the Seychelles Islands in the Indian Ocean are on a little microcontinent. The Azores in the Atlantic and some of the Caribbean islands as well that are granitic, made of granite. There are many, many others, most of which you've never heard of probably unless you're a huge geology (laughs) nerd. Um, We even actually know about a future microcontinent, which has been called Ajan. Ooh. Um, Many of you may have heard of the Great Rift Valley in Eastern Africa. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I had first heard about it because some of the most famous early hominid fossils like Lucy were found there. Okay. Right. Yeah. right. Well, it is called the Great Rift Valley because is, is it, it is a rift. It is... Yeah. African continent is rifting apart there, tearing apart. and. Right. Between about three and twenty million years from now, it will form a new continent consisting of the Horn of Africa and a lot of the east coast of southern Africa. Uh, so, future microcontinent or continent, uh, there are eight now. Arguably, there will be nine then, but it's all really arbitrary. <laughs> I, you know, it's really okay. cool that they've discovered this new continent. But yeah, I just I started digging into it and I was like this isn't exactly what I thought it was going to be.
1: Yeah. Were there any, they found that were like fragments of continents that are otherwise not known. That makes sense.
0: I don't like, know. This how isn't to a piece of Gondwana
1: or North America. It's just like, a, they're like, this is the only place we find this fragment of this continent. It's the only singular location.
0: I didn't get that. And if you don't know, it, you don't know, but, but there are a lot of, these... that seems like that'd be cool. There are a lot of these fragments where it's it's debatable whether they're um, a microcontinent or some other kind of island that formed in some other way, and we all just haven't completely settled it for some of these it's
1: places. Probably tough to figure that out. That's very yeah. cool, though.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's really fascinating. My sources this week are Qui, the Woods Hole. Pushed Institute. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Awesome. Uh, the Geological Society of America, IFL Science, and Wikipedia. Sweet. That is what I have.
1: Whew. That was fun.
0: Ooh, good times. Yeah. Zoolandia, everybody. Oh.
2: Zoolandia.
0: What's that? We
1: should Wild. do a trip. We yeah. should go visit all of our Ooh, New, New Zealand. Uh, yeah all right
2: i love it i'm here let's do it (laughs) anytime
1: in the next 20 years all right okay cool well we if that happens uh you'll hear about it for sure Mm -hmm. and uh everybody have a great uh have a great life have a great day Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) stay well yeah there you go thanks everybody for listening
1: avoid diseases
0: no please uh see you all next week (laughs) Bye. bye bye
1: Thanks, everyone, for listening to today's show. Be sure to subscribe. New episodes drop every Wednesday, and we love sharing this strange world with all of our listeners. If you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review, that would be great. It lets other lovers of the strange discover the show. You can reach out to us on social media by searching for Strange by Nature Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can send us an email as well. Our address is contact at strangebynaturepodcast.com. If you want more information about the show, you can also check out our website, which is strangebynaturepodcast.com. Until next week, get outside, stay curious, and embrace the strange.